Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Oh, we did it together. It's like we're in a pop band. Who would we be, Daphne and Celeste? The two Wendy's. Prince. Jedward. No, Jedward. Hello, where's Jedward? <laughs> did you see the episode when he broke his leg or something on T4 on the beach? Have you seen that? <laughs> oh my God, it's the funniest thing. Oh, Edward, my leg, my leg. Oh, I think it's broken. Really? And they were singing Ghostbusters and he tried to carry on but kept on. Living. I think it's broken, Edward. Oh no. Yeah. You are listening to Homo Sapiens, episode three. Yes, you're Chris Sweeney. You're Will Young. God, it's raining. It is literally now raining. It's like Beelzebub has come to South mm. London. Hey, Will, how are we doing in the charts versus Desert Island Discs? <laughs> Hello, right now. <laughs> um, welcome. My guest this week is a famous entrepreneur and uh, designer. Uh, not only content with being a director, <laughs> says that. Not only content with being a director, he's now moved into movies and script writing, and now an extremely successful podcast with his model-looking <laughs> friend, Will Young. That's right. My guest for this week is Christopher Sweeney. Christopher, Hello, welcome. Christy. Thank you. And have you seen the French and Saunders sketch no. when she does the desert island? Oh my and god! And every time the person, the guest, tries to talk, she holds up her hand and stops her. Really? So it's like this. My guest. For this week is Christopher Sweeney. Hello, Christopher Cody. Sweeney. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> she literally like. <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen it, check it out. Coming up this week, we have a fascinating conversation with the award-winning actor Rebecca Root. She starred as Judy in the BBC sitcom Boy Meets Girl. Judy was a transgender character who was actually, for once, played by a transgender actor. So. You were born in the wrong body. Yes. Yes, that's right. That's... Well, that's exactly right. So... What was that like? It's like being born in prison. Never having a release date. What's cool about Rebecca is that she is doing a load of amazing films and I feel like she is at the vanguard of being a trans actor who is not playing trans roles. And we need more of that. I thought it was really interesting like how she didn't have work for... Well, she did have work, but her big break came after 25 years. She talks about being misgendered, social stereotypes. We talked about the voice. I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, not the TV show. Not the TV show. <laughs> Sorry, my lip just curled. And... <laughs> why is that, Will? I'll tell you why, Go on. Chris, because I was offered... <laughs> 
I was offered, do you remember? I think, did yes. you come around and see me? I was in your kitchen. I was a hot mess then. You were um, a hot mess. I mean, I was at the beginning of a breakdown as well. It was not the right time to give me a job and then take it away from me. They offered you the voice you said yes. They offered they me it. the job and then the next day they took it away from me. But after having released in the press that you were the judge? I think so. And then, I'm, you know, Esme did his shit on the carpet. I mean, it all went wrong. Esme's, a, very Esme's a dog, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. not, not, <laughs> not cousin Esme. <laughs> oh, Esme. That's how she deals with everything. Um, um, yeah, and I, I said around. to Esme, how do you think daddy's going to pay for this now? <laughs> you know, I said that out loud. Our conversation with Rebecca Root is coming up. What have you watched this week, Will? Oh, this week I've been catching up on Queer Britain on the BBC. <laughs> Your face has gone all serious. Like, I've done my homework. <laughs> no, I watched something on... Um, I've been watching athletics. Go on. Yeah, it's the World Athletics Championships. I love that. I don't know that. I love, I love it so much. I love it so much. Really? I was screaming, Mo Farah. Oh, I yeah, I was literally screaming, come on, come on, come on, <laughs> screaming, you're saying bolt, just the whole thing. I think people don't think that gay people can like sports. Yes. Because they, they're like, think, oh, you're just watching it because you fancy the men, mm. you know, which is not true, actually. I remember getting quite cross with, remember, <laughs> with Milsey, you know, our friend mm. Milsey, and she was like, are you watching Match of the Day because of the men in shorts? Mm. I was like, actually, no, Milsey, I like football. Yeah. Such a like, she was game. like, you just said to me five minutes ago, you like them in shorts. Mm. I was like, all right, Milsey, homophobe. It feels a little bit like it's sport is a club that you're excluded from when you're younger, if you're not very good at it. And you're, that often is the case for gay people, LGBT people. You were on the rugby team, weren't you? Yes, I was. Oh, I got you, tackled you. <laughs> got you. And I genuinely there did. There goes Young into the middle of the scrum again. <laughs> into the pack again. Go on, oh, he like a dog with a bone. <laughs> Ooh, kissed you. Kissed Chase. Um, I <laughs> tackled you. Um, I did really enjoy it. People do think that you can't be competitive as a gay man. Mm. And then recently I suddenly got back into sports again. I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'm going to go to the rugby. Because I stopped going to the rugby because I felt, I felt that people would be looking at me going bloody pervert mm. not ridiculous mm. so because you had the binoculars out well that's true yeah and i was i was masturbating most of the match <laughs> but um i feel like you it's know terrible to do that in the royal box <laughs> go on go on murray um <laughs> but you know like i do love watching sport i do so yeah. i i watched athletics and i did watch something on lgbt homelessness which is what we were talking about yes it was that guy, Riyadh Khalaf. He's half Iranian, half Irish. Because one in four homeless people in Britain identify as LGBTQ+. So it's a very pertinent issue. It's still on, it's on iPlayer. People should watch it. It was quite sad, actually. I would have liked to have been, for it to have been longer. So that's what I've done this week. And I planted some lavender. Hey, Will. <laughs> it's time to get interactive. Bring it on. We were talking about sexual awakenings, weren't we? And we were thinking it'd be quite good to ask you guys, what was your sexual awakening? The first moment you realised that you have sexual feelings. So mine was the film Cocktail. Oh, yes. And I realised I was attracted to Elizabeth Shue and Tom Cruise. I was in love with them both. And I was like, I remember sort of logging that this was, I was six years old probably. And I was like, this is strange and not quite what I was expecting because I like them both. And I remember thinking, oh, I better not. Do anything about that. Mine was Dynasty. 
Was yours Dynasty? Mm. Either Dynasty or Dallas. There was Pam and Bobby, and I fancied both of them. In fact, I fancied Bobby. We've had a million brilliant replies. Grumpy Dread says Julie Newmar as Catwoman and has a picture of Catwoman and she looks so hot. I remember Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, (laughs) Scooter One, Flash Gordon, 1980, when Sam Jones appeared in in leather shorts, I knew them what I preferred. Who was it? Did a cameo in that film? Who? Peter Duncan from Blue Peter. No. Yes, put his hand into some sort of mountain uh, thing and got bitten by a snake. <laughs> How do you know this stuff? I don't know. I remember it from Blue Peter. Kareem Belfin said, watching Queer as Folk while my parents were asleep. See, I couldn't watch Queer as Folk because I was so scared of being busted watching it. And I actually said that to Russell T. Davies. Maybe it was bad to say that. Um, no, no. But I was too scared that if someone walked in and saw me watching it then I would be caught. So even though there was this amazing show that would have helped me, I banned myself. Isn't that funny, that fear of, fear of being caught? Hobnob Rob. <laughs> Queer as folk. Absolutely confirmed everything for me. Well... Starring who? Charlie Hunnam, no? Who's that? Charlie Hunnam is the blonde guy in Queer as Folk. Oh, who's now in, like, a who big film? Who is in King Arthur now. Directed by Guy Ritchie. Did you see Guy Ritchie on Graham Norton? He said something really... I need to look it up, what he said... Graham Norton looked really horrified. Really? Everyone on the sofa looked horrified. What did he say? I was really, I was really disappointed. Should we Google? Oh, no, he said our kids go to the same... He was talking about David Beckham. He said our kids go to the same school, we go to the same pub, and we sort of go to the the same gym. You know, we go to the same gay gym. And Graham Norton was like, I think it's just a gym. (gasps) And what did he say to that? He didn't really understand why he'd been corrected, which was was a bit like... Oh, no, do you think he said gay gym as in... Because it's just gay and... It's like loads of gays in there. No, as in like, I think you meant there's like a load of gays who go there. I always feel like if something's said in a slightly off way or they haven't got it quite right, then Mm. it will land like that. I felt it was disparaging. Maybe I'm wrong. Can I just say one point? No. If if there were a lot of, let's say, gay men that were going to a gym in Soho, if I was David Beckham, I wouldn't be going into that fire. No. But you wouldn't, would no, it? I mean, like cat among the pigeons, isn't I it? would hang around that gym. I would hang around in that shower. Can you imagine how wrinkly your fingers would be? I told you a story about when he dropped the baby in front of me. That's not no. a euphemism. Um, <laughs> when he dropped the baby? No. Oh. I went to Beckingham Palace to perform for his birthday. And Victoria rang me up. She was like, David loves your album and... It's funny because it was dedicated to him, wasn't it? <laughs> it was all made for him. Yeah. Would you come and sing as a surprise for his, his birthday? Amazing. And I said, well, it's funny you're ringing me because I've said I've got three of his calendars. And then I said, well, four if you count the one under the bed. <laughs> she thought I was joking. Um, but anyway, long story cut short, got there. I think I asked him to take me for a tour around the garden. He took me around a tour and they just had their second child. And he slipped up and... Is it because you lunged at him? No. That's what everyone says. It's not true. (laughs) Show me video evidence. The the police report says that. And he slipped up and he was holding the child and I didn't bother trying to grab the child. I just grabbed hold of him. (laughs) David, David, thank God you're all right. And he was like, thank God, Brooklyn, whoever is all right. I went, oh God, yeah, and him as well. Brooklyn... It's Brooklyn, Romeo, Cruz. Romeo. I think it was it Romeo. It was Romeo. Really? I was like, oh yeah, no, and thank God Romeo's all right. So was this the one where you had to hide behind a curtain? 
they pulled back the wall of the marquee and I was just sitting there on a stool with a guitarist. Really? Yeah. What did you sing? I sang Light My Fire, mm. dedicated to him did in it? my heart. Actually, he asked for an encore. I did it again. Really? Yeah. They also Aren't had... you supposed to do a different song for the encore? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, this is awkward. <laughs> it's the only one I knew. <laughs> Coming up now, we have a fascinating conversation with the award-winning actor Rebecca Root. Oh, she came round here. She did to my house for oh. tea and biscuits. If you don't have old grey, I have one in my bag. She bought her own tea bags. For that alone, makes her a hero of mine. It's the sort of tea that people don't have, and that's why I started carrying them. She likes dogs, which is lucky because it's like London Zoo in here. And she starts our chat with quite the biggest name drop I've ever heard. And it does sound like one of us drops our cup of tea. Listen to this. I was just working with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal this week. And we were... <laughs> Someone dropped over a book from earlier. So... Oh, I did, didn't I? She's got a very intelligent brain. I like the way she looks at things. It is a fascinating conversation, and I really do hope everyone enjoys it. Here's our conversation with Rebecca Root. I um, I met. Uh, I was just working with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal this week, um, and we were we were, talk- <laughs> we were talking dogs, and he has a German Shepherd. I bet you were. And yeah, and I, he lives in New York. I said, how the hell do you? I mean, New York is not a dog city. You can't actually take your dogs off the lead, mm. even. So he said that uh, mm-hmm. in Central Park, you can take your dog off the lead before 9 a.m. Apparently, so well, you'll go up. We know where to get him. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you are. What, how that's, my, that's my Jake Gyllenhaal anecdote. Oh, such a good anecdote. I wish I could drop that name. How was it? It was great fun. Is it done? Is it done now? Well, I've, I've wrapped, but the shoot goes on for another three months or something. It's a crazy long shoot. What is it? It's a movie called The Sisters Brothers. Mm-hmm. And it's based on a book by Patrick DeWitt. It was booker nominated, I think, booker shortlisted. It's directed by a French... Director called Jacques Odiard. Oh yeah, wow. You know, it's him with Joaquin Phoenix, Jake Gyllenhaal, John C. Reilly, Riz Ahmed. Wow. Rebecca Roos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's kind of it's been a, it's been an extraordinary. I, I mean, it's a supporting role. What do you play? I play a character called Mayfield who runs a town named after her. She's not an especially sympathetic character. Based on Margaret Thatcher, <laughs> um, kind of ruthless but disarmingly sort of engaging. Mm. You know, really nice. I was saying to somebody else, I always kind of, not that I'm inundated with job offers, but I, I always compare every job I do with Judy from Boy Meets Girl because that's the the thing that most people know me for, and. You know, not that I ever thought I'd be typecast as a sort of a, a, a sitcom comedy actress or anything like that, but you always thought you, you want to kind of like vary your career and be challenged by the roles that you play. Mm. And so, you know, every time I, I think, well, how does, how does this character differ from Judy? Mm. And this one, Mayfield, is a big, big difference. You know? mm. so, you do, so you do kind of come back to Judy. To think. Well, to sort of think, to simply because she, that character changed my yeah. career. Do you think of yeah. Judy as a sort of, as a sort of steering point then for what, where you are in your career? So it's like, how yeah. different is this to Judy? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Because before Judy, I was just 
you know, I did one job a year sort of thing. It was, you know, I couldn't, I wasn't making a living. I was working more as a voice teacher than yeah. as an actor. Mm. What was the director like? Amazing, yeah, really lovely. Mm. Slightly tricky in that his English is fairly limited. He he used a translator, so he would oh, be gosh. getting caught up in his enthusiastic <laughs> direction, and I would have a few words pinged with recognition in my head, like "vit" or "bien" or something like that. I yeah. kind of understood. But all of that, <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 the character yeah. Yeah. <laughs> throw me off track a bit he wants it he wants it more maisonette yeah but then so by the time the, the translator was sort of getting halfway through the sentence he had been sort of going on to the next point and she's trying so you're trying to process what she's saying in English but whilst still hearing these catches of words you know Riz Ahmed who's also in it he speaks French so he was kind of okay yeah. so he was getting the direction <laughs> all right but then Camille was still kind of translating for me. It was, yeah, anyway. It, it was an ex- yeah, an extraordinary experience. Haven't you got another film as well? Yeah, I'm doing another film. I'm doing Colette with Kira Knightley. Um, greedy, I think. I know, it's, it's just crazy, isn't mm-hmm. it? Really crazy. You wait 25 years and then two movies come along at once, don't they? <laughs> um, um, how did you keep up your motivation for acting? You wait 20 years or something for... How do you keep that up? I I, I actually don't... I I don't know. Um, Beth, my my partner, is a different... She's a bit younger than I am, and she's she's at a different stage of her career. And she gets really despondent with not getting work. And, you know, she's a good actor. She went to a great drama school. She's got a great degree. But it's just such a competitive industry. And I tell her just to keep sort of... Keep positive and... You know, it did t- I mean, it literally took me 25 years for my big break because I graduated in 1990. From Mountview? Yeah, from Mountview. Mm. Boy Meets Girl was in um, 2015, was the first series. So, you mm. know, 25 years mm. uh, of doing, like, maybe a, a job a year, if that, keeping the hope alive that one day, one day, one day. And, of course, it, it did. It just, it just goes to show that, really, if you just believe... For long enough, the stars align eventually and, and it happens, you know. Yeah. But I used to work at drama schools as a voice teacher and I would say to my students, you know, like, just just keep at it, keep it, don't give up, don't give up. Because we had a, I had a teacher at school, drama school, who said that pretty much the same thing to us. You know, he said, just never give up, yeah. always keep going. Mm. That is the, I suppose that's the kind of the double bind of being a performer I think particularly acting because it can happen at any time yeah. I mean someone could get their break at 70 yeah mm. you know yeah. It, it's about being not only keeping the motivation but also keeping the faith and the knowledge that you do have a right to have the work you do you know that you, you have the talent and that talent will out you know cream always rises to mm. the top that's what I say so somebody mm. somewhere along the line is going to say yeah you're just right for this particular part mm. I happen to be just right for Judy so that kind of obviously gave me that way in mm. you know I wasn't the only actor that they auditioned for that part and so it wasn't just because I'm trans or whatever yeah um, it is really difficult and it's about keeping that sense of 
readiness and being uh, having that having the uh, place of preparation i think in your work mm. you know it's one of the i had this tattoo we were going to talk about tattoos this is um this is a quote from hamlet from shakespeare and it finishes with the readiness is all and for me you know that the i the, the being ready when the knock comes on the door you got to be ready, and it's no good sort of like saying, "Oh, I'm a bit sleepy." Metaphorically speaking, mm-hmm. you've got to go, "Yeah, okay, right, well." I'm. But what of course, is the full quote. So the, the full quote is: "There is a special providence in the fall of a sparrow. If it be now, tis not to come. If it be not to come, it will be now. If it be not now, yet it will come. The readiness is all, mm-hmm. and that's the dead sparrow." My, this is my last. Tattoo. So it was a year ago now that I had this done. And you've got some Olympic rings, I can see on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. Got the yin and yang. That was actually my first tattoo in '99, I think it was. Then I've got a little uh, Spanish poem here. Um, Caminante no hay camino, se hace camino al andar, and that means wanderer. There is no path. You make the path by wandering. It's kind of like my dad always says, you know, sometimes you just want to sit back and just say, go with the flow. He, so he, he actually, despite, he so, he does sometimes get anxious. He, he just says, right, I've just got to just accept that I can't do everything. So I'm just going to go with the flow. It sort of goes against everything that we're taught, I think. Yeah. Because we're taught to go out and get it. Mm. Yeah. Make it happen. Make a list. Things to do. <clears throat> to do the opposite. By wondering, you find the path. Yeah, it's, but it's yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to yeah, but it's finding the, to learn. Yeah, but it's finding the balance between because yeah. you don't want to, you you can't interpret that as complacency, or the ready or just accepting that you're ready. So I'm going to wait for the person to knock on the door. You know, you've got to be proactive to an extent. You've got to be fit and healthy and seeking the work or whatever it is, whether it's work, love, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, for many years, you know, I didn't. I was single. I didn't date, and I didn't do any. Loads of my friends said, oh, "You must, you must join Guardian Soulmates. You must join any website ending in R that is to do with <laughs> sex or whatever." And I'm like, mm. kind of, you know, it's just not my thing. Yeah. So I didn't pursue romance, for want of a better word. And then I met Beth last year. You know, we just totally, we just met totally by chance at a theatre, and we clicked and went on a date and. You know, a year later we've got engaged and blah blah blah. So, so, what, you know. so what, as someone that can be very closed to um, relationships, mm. found relationships hard myself, a bit better now. Mm. Did something change in you that you were more open to? Yeah. To someone. Yeah. Being there, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I prepared. Think so. Well, the appearance is something that throws a lot of people, doesn't it? Because uh, people sort of base so much on what they see. Uh, or, or here, you know, and so they, they see somebody who is tall, or maybe with broad shoulders or something, so they, they are more likely to be male. But I am tall, and some people from the back see a guy, because they don't see my face or my front, whatever. Then, you know, there are a number of times when I go to a shop, and um, somebody will hear my voice, they're not looking at you, the shop assistant isn't looking at you, mm. and they'll just hear my voice, and they'll say, yes sir, follow me, or oh, over there mate. Or something, I'll be like, don't call me mate, don't mm. call me sir. Wow. You know, I was at Gatwick the other day, I will name and shame this person at Gatwick, 
if she, if she's listening, she won't be listening. But um, <laughs> she was one of those people that you, when you go through the bleep machine and you put your your bag through the X-ray machine and then you go through the little doorway and it bleeps at you. Uh, yeah. Um, so I bleeped because of all things, uh, the thing that set off the bleep was a hairband in my pocket, which I'd forgotten to take out. Anyway. And my gun. Point being, <laughs> yeah. So she kind of frisks me or whatever, and she says, "Okay, that's." Uh, can you open to your pocket, sir? And she just was not looking, mm, really. Mm. But the problem is, when we talk about labels, you know, especially if it's somewhere like BA, for example, who I was flying with, um, you know, I mean, I'm not saying anything against BA, they were great, but they always <laughs> call people sir or madam. Mm. And it's t- the two labels that they define somebody as, yeah. you know? Mm. Sir, madam. So when you're in those customer-facing things... You are either a sir or a madam, and mm. people can't get past that. And that's something we mm. talk about labels that pisses me off more than anything else because mm. you know you don't have to be rude to somebody, but at least just mm. you know just sort of don't call them anything and yeah. say thank you. Or mm. how did how did you feel after that? I was pissed off. Yeah. I, I took the sort of the feedback card and I was going to bash off an email later, and then I just thought, oh fuck it, I'm just going to. Oh, am I allowed to say that by the way? I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you can always bleep it. Out. Uh, We've had <laughs> Is that about a little bit being at the vanguard of something that you were, and do you feel a responsibility to represent trans people in your day to day life? Or, you know, because hmm. um, Boy Meets Girl was a landmark, right? Yeah. And is that something you feel strongly about, or is that just a byproduct of a, a great role? Hmm, I don't know. I mean, there's always something, isn't there, where you, if you are, um, by by dint of your job, you are given a certain platform, if you like, or you're given uh, a certain voice um, to represent. It's such a strong word, isn't it? Because mm. I'm not a politician. I don't represent people per se. But I suppose, I suppose I am glad of, and what I would say I welcome is the fact that I am a visible trans person. I'm openly trans. I make no secret of it. And if people who are wrestling with their gender identity or are anxious about coming out to their nearest and dearest, and they're not so nearest and dearest, just their work colleagues, they can look at the the work that I've done and say, well, there's a woman who is in her 40s. She's in a relatively high-profile role on TV, blah, 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 and she's trans. And guess what? She's okay, mm. you know. So I think in that respect, yes, I, you know, I, I do, mm. I, I do welcome that. But I always say it's about having conversations. Mm. The more conversations that you have with people, the more people who hear and see those conversations, which is exactly what you That's guys what are doing. That's you know? what we say. It's mm. all about having conversations. It's like a ripple in the water. I completely agree with you. Mm. What comes up for me hearing you talk about if people can see you and go, well, there is a transgender woman who's acting you mm. know and, and, mm. it's okay, and it's okay mm. I suppose for me being a gay man it sort of wasn't something that I would have chosen to for people to go do you feel a responsibility towards that it has become a sort of mantle that I quite like as I've got older I probably do feel a bit more of a responsibility this is Paige the co-host of Giggly Squad and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, towards younger people. Yeah. Fuck my peers. Yeah. But yeah, but it's true. Maybe because young, I'm older. I think yeah. it's just because I'm older. And also because younger younger people will look up to you and they will see you as a, an enormously influential and successful person who is, you know, Doing living it. and yes. happy and successful. Mm. Yeah. You know. And I feel like that is a privilege. Mm. You know, I think one never knows what one thing might do for someone else and that can be yeah. smiling to someone in a shop mm. or making a massive Hollywood movie mm. you know with Jake Gyllenhaal mm. am I bitter? maybe I am a bit um, <laughs> but you know what bit is, <laughs> suddenly yeah. it's got a bit prickly in here <laughs> talking, <laughs> talking about labels and um, just listening to you and a, a thought was percolating in my mind which I don't know if it's right but you know we have labels like politicians or Labour, Tory, mm. transgender being one of them, gay being another. And it's quite, um, it comes with annoying stuff. For example, if you're gay and you go to a hotel with my husband and we're checking in to the room, they're like, so Mr. Sweeney and Mr. M-, and you watch them kind of working out like, are you sure you don't want single beds or are there other rooms? Or, you know, and all that. And you're like, wow. oh, I don't really enjoy this experience, but whatever. Well, I guess even things in the hotel, no. Like there'll be a robe and there'll be a smaller robe. Yeah, yeah. Or a th- Interesting. Okay. I always get smaller. Um, and <laughs> so someone's been working out. Yeah. So you have the labels, but then actually you can use those labels to twist them and reverse them, and that's when you can be really transgressive in a brilliant way. So you know, you did Boy Meets Girl, and <clears throat> that was a, a trans actor doing something that people didn't feel they'd seen before. So that was already a landmark. But then you can go on to roles where it's a trans actor who's doing a role that's got nothing to do with being trans. And then that is mm. secondarily amazing mm. and allows a 15-year-old at home to look at that and go, that's not even going to define me if I come out. Yeah. You know, And, yeah. and that, that comes with a lot of shit for you because you've got to talk about it all the time. Well, you don't have to. But you know what I mean? Mm. So that was going around in my head. And it's a bit like, so as a gay pop star you know it's always gay pop star that's interesting you talk about the sort of not the, the, the parts that I'm playing that are not trans or at least the mm. gender has nothing to do with it. the movie that just done I think they wanted somebody who a woman who was tall and strong and had a, a powerful voice and mm. I, I happen to do that and I sort of feel like you know I don't know if this is the first time these actors have worked with a trans person I'm sure they know that I'm trans but I sort of paused halfway through my shooting days. I thought, this is 
looks quite cool actually. I'm a mm. trans person playing a non-trans, cisgender non-trans person in a in a, effectively. It's not a Hollywood blockbuster, but it has Hollywood movie stars in it. You sort of think that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, actually. Oh. And I honestly don't think they even gave me the job because uh, because they thought she's trans. I think they they gave it to me. For some other reason, I just happened to fit their idea of what the part was. Yeah, but that's something else, you know. That is that's something else, and that is a big. You know, I'm so, I'm so. It's really nice to hear you saying you had a moment when you thought that. Yeah, and I also think, yeah, my God, how amazing! Mm. Yeah, how amazing! Well, it, could, make, it makes me feel yes. Yeah, I'm really getting there. And I think that there is a parallel between. For example, so there was a big hoopla, the fact that Eddie Redmayne was cisgender and was cast in The Danish Girl. Yeah. And then I and I think there's a parallel between the fact that it was our friend Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger in Brokeback Mountain. That was two straight guys yes. playing a gay couple. But now, because partly because of Brokeback Mountain, I reckon you could do that with two... You know, think so? Maybe, because I'm just thinking about someone like Zachary Quinto, who has been very open... Mm and not given a fuck and been incredibly brave, I think that he has created a model for a gay Hollywood star who could play a straight a straight mm. role or a gay role. Mm. And I just think, so listening to you talking about Boy Meets Girl and stuff, I feel like you're at the beginning of a trajectory that will create brilliant things mm. in the future. And we need people like you doing it, you know? Mm. I, th- I think the more jobs are out, the, 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 are out there, the more characters there are that need to be filled by either trans people or just strong characters mm. and let's face it sort of having some kind of something that we wrestle with in youth uh, it tends to you mm. know make you stronger doesn't it so certainly for me it's a you know I thought oh my god if I could get through sort of my adolescence growing up in my previous identity and wrestling with that if I can get through that then I can get through fucking anything oh. mm. you know did you think you could get through it no, not at no, no, not at one point. No, no, I really thought like, just before I I transitioned actually. So I mean, I I kind of it took me uh, best part of thirty years to sort of get to the point where I thought, okay, I'm just exhausted. I'm going to either check out or I've got to do something. And I had one last sort of push, and I decided to transition. It was the thing that saved my life really, because uh, otherwise I I just couldn't carry on. I was just exhausted and just so. So fucked in the head. When what were you exhausted with? Just living a double life and living a wrestling with my identity and not accepting. For so long I didn't accept what I was, and then you, I sort of you know dip your toe in the water and maybe you live a double life, as I say, like maybe dressing up at the weekends or in the evenings or whatever, and then you know that's where the confusion lay about the clothes or whether it was just that but that doesn't satisfy you mm. it's not it's not about clothes you know it's um mm. it's more how did you realize that how did you realize it was more by going through that yeah yeah and just kind of working it out and uh, i i spoke to doctors and you know i was in in wasn't necessarily therapy but i used to go to charing cross to have my talk with the the doctors at the gender identity clinic and um, I was talking to them for a couple of years before I kind of figured out what it was that I needed to do but that's what we do isn't it when you when you mm. go through a process and it, it sometimes it does take that long but yeah so it was really at the end when I thought oh god I've just got to do something about my life because I was going nowhere I was just smoking drinking myself into oblivion every night it was just I was in a bad way thank god I never got into drugs but the alcohol and cigarettes were 
bad enough, really. But anyway. And what was the thing? What was the push? That final push? Where, where did that come from? It was June. It was about this time of the year, 2003. I'd had conversations with my family, all my friends, you know, my closest friends at any rate. And I thought, what am I doing? I'm just going round and round in circles. So, so there's the idea of just making a decision. Sometimes the thing that holds us back mostly is, is the inability to decide. Mm. I and mean, that's another reason why the Hamlet quote is so so significant, because it, you know, Hamlet is famously dithering, isn't mm. he? He's, mm. um, one moment he's going to and one moment he's not. To be or not to be. It's classic, isn't it? Mm. Because I'm, because I'm full of cliches today. You can tell, <laughs> can't you? But... Um, I love that quote. I think it's really... Yeah. From my own experience of kind of being exhausted with trying to live a life, Mm. kind of getting to the end, for for me, avoiding stuff I was knew I couldn't avoid anymore, but tried my best to. Yeah. It's then when I call it, you know, the phoenix arises from the ashes. Yeah, of course. There have Mm. to be ashes Mm. to get to the phoenix. And Mm. that is super painful. Yeah. And, I, and I think the more people share those experiences and, you know, knowing that they will get through, you know, there is something that pushes one through, I think. Yeah. The desire to survive and, and, and desire to live. Actually. But also, you don't you feel brilliant afterwards? Oh, I don't feel, feel like anyone. Yeah. No nothing could touch me. Yeah. No, no paper, no... Yeah. You smell that. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, Nelly's farting can. Right really? yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, nothing else matters. Yeah. Because after going to the depths of, of one's own yeah. despair and things that have been put on, you know, mostly put on me, mm. shame and is a huge one. It doesn't matter if someone goes, you haven't got that role to mm. me. Or someone goes, sorry, mm. we're not playing the song. Doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think it's a hard journey to go through. Whatever anyone's journey is, it's hard. Yeah. I think it's also what's interesting is that so in terms of when I came out but I think might be a universal thing is even when you know it you still don't do it you go around Mm. in circles Mm. and then only once you've done it you're like I must be mad that I didn't do this so long ago and I think that's an important point to make if there's someone a lot younger listening because yes you are certain but also you're deeply uncertain you know about that what that's going to look like I love my parents Dearly, desperately, they're fabulous, fabulous people. But when I was growing up in the 1970s, what I was going through and what I was exhibiting was not the kind of the thing that little boys did. So it was kind of made fairly clear to me as a, as a small person that, no, you're not going to be wearing those clothes and no, you're not going to be playing with, with those toys and you're not going to be reading those comics or magazines because mm. they're not for, quote, little boys. Mm. My parents weren't doing that because they were cruel or hard-hearted it was just because of the societal expectations of the 1970s Mm, and today it may be that some parents yet subscribe to those throwback perceptions but they might not also you know like i tried on my friend's daughter's feather bow and a pink feather bow and the daughter was saying this was going pink isn't for boys she's seven years old pink isn't for boys and i was just leaving the space for my friend to go yes. to her daughter. Mm. Yes, it is. And she didn't. So then, of course, I was saying, no, boys and girls. But, you know, it made me really disappointed, actually, because mm. I just saw a trajectory of this these children already yeah. 
growing up. And pink and blue is yeah. one of those stupid so things because because also the colours were reversed. Like yeah. about a hundred years ago, it was the other way around. Pink was for boys and blue was for girls. Mm. Yeah, and so somewhere along the line, some marketing trick happened and they switched. You should read Juno Dawson's book, The Gender Games, all about where we get these gender expectations from. How is it that society demands that a boy should do this and a girl should wear that? Mm. And why? And she breaks down brilliantly. I really recommend it to anybody who is questioning either their own or so, you know, they don't understand manifestations of gender mm. and it, it's it's a it's a really good read there's that, that classic thing of the do you remember the bic biro the bic for girls bic for women i think it was literally just pink it wasn't really any in any other way different to a regular biro there was a buzzfeed thing as well can i open the door it's slightly warm yeah um there was a buzzfeed thing about um it was called 10 times men's Fragile masculinity had to be bolstered, and it was like shampoo, but it was called like muscle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like that dreadful Lynx stuff, isn't it? I mean, it's all the, the smell of oh. musk and. Oh, yeah. God, Lynx. Yeah. yeah. It's all that gross, isn't my it? body. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he's my mum's clown's hand cream. When you see it, people bullied for their gender identity or their sexuality. It is heartbreaking because part of what makes us so human is the very essence of our gender or our sexuality or whatever. You don't get much more fundamental than that, do you? But that's why, you know, Stonewall's great. And um, I'm a patron of Diversity Role Models, which is another wonderful, wonderful charity which goes into schools and talks to young people, school kids, about equality and diversity and why you shouldn't actually bully or laugh at people who might exhibit this tendency or that. It is really, I mean, that sort of thing is incredibly rewarding. You, you go in and talk to some kids and actually you sometimes go into these, and these kids, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, they'll totally surprise you and they'll say, yeah, we shouldn't actually laugh at that person. Mm. Because they just need to be educated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always say, like, children, they weren't born to say, mm. right, you use the word gay to mean wrong, and yeah. they didn't know yeah. that when they come out of the womb. No, quite. Can I, I have to ask you about voice, because I'm obsessed with the voice. Yes, yes. And what it can do, and I think you've got an amazing voice. Thank you. And it's the first thing I noticed when I welcomed you at the door. Yeah. It's like, my God, that's an amazing voice. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. bless you, thank you. Because you would have had to work on your voice as an actor... And also as a transgender woman. Yeah, yeah. So, so sort of double whammy. And yeah. you teach it. Yes, well. I do. Yes, I do. I work with private clients who are... My, most of my clients are trans. Most of them trans women. The voice is such an interesting thing. I mean, that's probably another a whole other conversation. But it's it's interesting because I've, I've had a very... Um, a real roller coaster relationship with my voice. I've got to the place now where... I like it. I'm okay with my voice. I'm happy with my voice. But I recognise that there are times even today where I'm misgendered on the phone or face-to-face or somebody might say something, oh, you've got a very deep voice, haven't you? You know, whatever. And I know some many trans women who have deeper voices than I do, but I, there are many who have higher-pitched voices. Because for me, the, the voice is, is a manifestation of who you are. 
because you're speaking your thoughts and so you are literally moving molecules of air which convert to signals which we interpret as words and thoughts and so forth but it is a physical manifestation when I work with a, with somebody a trans person who, I need to get to know them before I can work with them because I need to say well what do you want uh, and some people say well I want to speak like this and I say well okay but is that really you mm. and I go well probably not so go, well let's find something else that matches who you are what does it what does your voice say about you and how are you working with it you know so do you pull out we do it together. I will never prescribe you, a voice. I will no, never say, no, no. I will never say is this binding? is a, a female voice or this is a male voice. I will never... So but. I have a high voice. Right. And I often get called ma'am on the phone. Really? I mean, it will happen mm-hmm. most weeks. Really? That's yeah. amazing. My concept of if I was transitioning, my sort of play school concept would be that I would have to speak a lot higher. Right. And I wouldn't. No. Would I? No. That's the whole point. No, exactly. So, but then you see, some cisgender male speakers might have a higher pitched voice, but then they still might read, you know, as, as a male speaker, because the pitch is not so modulated yeah. or lyrical, for want of a better word, and a female voice is more typically maybe up and down, you know. So even if you have a, a, a low voiced cisgender female speaker you would probably still hear that as a female speaker because their voice goes up and down a bit more so it may be that because of who you are as a singer you're lyrical and perhaps that maybe there is something linked to one's sexuality as well about that sort of lyricism in your voice that's possibly linked with the pitch is what people are interpreting as female. Yeah. There was a movie last year, which sadly I only saw clips of, mm. called This This Voice is Gay. Or Do I Sound Gay? Do I Sound Gay, that yeah. was it, yeah. It was so um, good. And it was all about that, wasn't it? And yeah, I was trying to remember as I was listening to you things, the brilliant things they said about, this is probably not going to be right, but your inflection as a man, your tone is very rarely questioning. Whereas as a woman, you often inflect up at the end to seem deferential. And so when, if you're a young boy who's getting a lot of shit off other boys because you're a feminine, your voice moves in that direction because you're trying to make yourself more appealing to be around. Mm. And that's kind of a bit cod of what is not quite right. But so that's why people say often when you come out, your voice changes because you have been hiding that because Mm. it's something that gives you away. And it's also like that thing about feeling good when if someone says to you oh you don't sound gay yes. you know and you're like yeah. oh yeah you know and that thing with the transgender community about passing you know yes. and your voice and but also i mean i think it's to do it also goes on your own mood of the day so that on one of those days where you've been upset with somebody calling you ma'am another day it probably wouldn't matter at all and like the same for me mm. sometimes i get a snap and i say stop calling me sir mm. um when other times I, I just let it go entirely or i just say by the way uh, uh, I'm, I'm ma'am not sir mm. and they go oh i'm so terribly sorry you know and most people don't they're not doing it deliberately they're not doing it mm. as a way of digging it getting at you or anything they're not thinking oh, I'm going to be going to really upset this person by calling by misgendering them they're not doing that it's, and most people kind of want to be nice mm. don't offend mm. you whatever but it's it's just society has brought us up to call people sir or madam based on what they hear in the, the broader in the sound yeah yeah what do you think you'd like to look back on your life mm. And remember it by, in terms of everything, career, life, love. 
Well, do you know, I was just thinking that this, this very thing as I left set on Monday, and I thought, you know, that's okay. I think I gave it my best, and I turned up. I was professional. I hope I gave a good performance, but I got along with people. I wasn't an arsehole. I'm not going to mention any names, but some actors, I can be, frankly, arseholes. Mm. And if you mention it, we'll just edit it out. Will you, though? <laughs> um, it wasn't Jake. No. Oh, thank God. Um, and it wasn't Riz. Thank God. Anyway, the point being, yeah. you know, I think I can be proud of that. And then I was just thinking, you know, I'm deeply in love with wonderful Beth. You know, we've got plans for our future and all, all that. And I, I just sort of feel like life is okay. Hmm. Life is okay. Without me getting too sort of choked up. Life is okay. It's good. It's more than okay. It's fucking brilliant. I'm happy, you know. Uh-huh. And if, you know, if I leave this house now and suddenly meet my demise because of some bus or whatever, and at least, you know, I've said this on tape and I've, I recognise it as a moment I recognise it as a place to be in my life right now and that's good and mm. I'm lucky I'm lucky I'm really, I recognise that I'm lucky to be in this place thank you thank you I mean you may get run over by the pizza delivery that we've ordered but it's only a <laughs> <laughs> That was Rebecca Root. Please let us know your thoughts. That would be nice. You can reach us on email at hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Correct. Get in touch by Twitter at Will Young. With the hashtag homosapienspodcast. Please drop us a line because also we can discuss feedback at our Homo Sapiens Extra shows every Friday. Going on and on about Jake Gyllenhaal, wasn't she? Oh, me and Jake Gyllenhaal, me and Jake Gyllenhaal. All right, we've all got stories about Jake Gyllenhaal. You've got a story about Jake Gyllenhaal, haven't you? I I had dinner with Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. I never quite got over that. He was so nice. I told him. Did he have a nice mouth? In the flesh, he was so incredibly beautiful. Do you not get hot and clammy? Because I get hot and clammy around people when I find them attractive. I was very nervous when I met him. And how did you get around? You're very good at that, though, because you're just... I know I'm not. You're, you're relaxed. I over-talk. I'm not relaxed. He was just really nice. He's just a normal person. He was a normal person. Everyone shits, don't they? That's what I tell myself. Yeah, you know that thing where they say, <laughs> oh, imagine everybody <laughs> that naked. That old proverb. Yeah. You know when they say, imagine everyone naked and that'll help? That doesn't help me at all. Jeez, that wouldn't help. Earlier, we asked you on Twitter about your sexual awakening. Can you remember the film or book or pop star naming no names, who was your sexual awakening? Well, let's have a look back, shall we? God, imagine if it was me. That'd be so lovely. Find well, one with me and you, find one with me and... Well, look, literally, Will R4909, you. What, what, what? That's, what he's talking about you. Oh, I need specifics. I can't bring Someone wrote therapy. the Evergreen video. <laughs> Evergreen? There was the most... Really? I respect your decision. One of the tweets in that made me laugh so hard was someone saying their sexual awakening was the Littlewoods catalogue. Oh my God. What, when you'd see like the Y front section? Possibly. Always. Yeah. I would always oh my God. look at the, the underwear section, the men's <gasps> underwear section. And that's where a whole generation of roughly our age got their rocks off from that. Oh, Riders by Jilly Cooper. That's Louise Tobin. Something yes. to do with, they always called it his manhood something yes yeah i remember my mum gave that book to my sister they had to take my sister on holiday when they were young when she was much younger like 13 
And it was just my sister and my parents. My mum gave my sister that book because she thought she'd be really bored just hanging out with my parents. She was like, I'll give her this, this will keep her quiet. Emma literally apparently was like, <laughs> read the whole thing cover to cover in one sitting. Can I just interrupt this? You? Sorry, it's Is a it delivery man. Wrong? It's Bobby the delivery man. Bobby? That nurse says I'll probably be with you at about one o'clock. But ah. I'm stuck in traffic at the moment. Okay, lovely, thank you. Thank you. What's he delivering? He's delivering a TV cabinet. No, not that one from Wales. The one I showed you. Oh, I'm really jealous. Shall I put a picture of it on? Put it on Instagram. Oh, that's amazing, that cabinet. And it pops up, doesn't it? So it looks like a TV cabinet, but actually the TV lifts out the top. William, my husband, is like, you've lost your mind. No, 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 no. But psychologically, I think it's bad to have a television in a bedroom. No, no. <laughs> I, no. I have your back on this one. Mm. We've had this conversation. Mm. Absolutely no way it's essential. It's essential. <laughs> I, think I wouldn't find it, it under essential. It is absolutely essential. Yeah. I would get so much pleasure from it's that. It's a bit footballer's wives though, isn't it? No, because you're not doing it in that way. You haven't encrusted it. You haven't encrusted it, have you? Well, <laughs> onto that. It's essential. I would sell my dogs for one of those TV cabinets. Well, do you want my dog in? Mm. No, I've got enough. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another fascinating guest next week. And we'll have your feedback on this episode on Homo Sapiens Extra, which we're releasing on Friday. So please tweet us, email us. uh, Don't hold back on your feedback. We can take it. We can take it. (laughs) So get in touch with Will on Twitter, at Will Young, and the hashtag Homo Sapiens Podcast, or email us, hello at homosapienspodcast.com. If you were listening to Homo Sapiens Extra, you'll know that we now have a big prize we're giving away each week. When we say big, our t-shirts come in large or extra large. That's it. You could do lots of things with them as well. Yeah, go on. You can chop the sleeves off, Uh make it into a vest. Oh, summer. You can work out in it. You can use it as a dishcloth. You could Mm -hmm. wrap it around your head. You could wear it as culottes. Mm -hmm. You could turn it into shorts. You could use it as a flag to hang at the top of your house. Oh my God, a Homo Sapiens flag. See? Jingle. Let's do the Homo sapiens jingle. My guests this week are the two acclaimed podcasts by people Chris Sweeney and Will Young. Hello, Will Young and Chris Sweeney. Welcome to the show. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Powered by Spirit Studios.